Isn't it grand to be a Christian? The Lord has blessed us with another year and another first Sunday of the year to worship Him. Uh, I want to wish a happy new year to everyone. Uh, this being the very first Sunday of the new year, uh, it is expected of the preacher, if you will, uh, to bring forth a lesson that kind of is a reflection of the new year, a uh, lesson that maybe will set the stage, if you will, for the year and Maybe some expectations that maybe you have for yourself or for this congregation. Uh, the lesson this morning is a very simple lesson, but a lesson that's very powerful, especially powerful if you carry out the admonition that you're going to learn in this lesson today. So it's our hope and prayer that you'll pay very close attention, but more importantly, that when you leave here today, that you will practice the things that are being taught from God's Word. To introduce our lesson this morning, I want to have a little quiz, if you will, a little four-question quiz. And um, I want you to answer these questions truthfully. Uh, they're not hard questions, and uh, all of us can answer them, young or old, regardless of who we are, we can answer these questions. Question number one. What do I say at the beginning of each and every worship service on Sunday morning? You can speak up. Nobody will hit you. All right. Isn't it grand to be a Christian? And the reason why I say that is because I believe it with all my heart. I believe that there is nothing better in this entire world than to be a Christian. I don't believe there's any greater blessing in this world than being a Christian. I don't believe that there's any other reward that is greater than the reward of being able to spend eternity in heaven. I believe with all my heart that because of Jesus Christ, I can find the peace that passeth understanding in this world. I can enjoy some of the greatest blessings that God has ever given mankind within the realm of the church and the love that is found there. The reason why I say that every morning is because I want to remind myself at the beginning of every Lord's Day and remind you at the beginning of every Lord's Day as we listen to His Word that there is nothing better, nothing grander than being a Christian. Question number two. and I don't, You don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but you can nod your head or shake your head or whatever you want to do. Question number two, don't we want other people to experience that? Don't we want other people to experience the grandness of being a Christian? Don't we want other people to understand the peace that comes with forgiveness of sins? Don't we want people to understand that confident expectation of spending eternity in heaven? Don't we want other people to be able to understand that when life smacks them in the face, there's a shoulder they can lean upon through other brothers and sisters in Christ, but most importantly, the great physician, Jesus Christ. That no matter what kind of dart or arrow Satan throws at us, that we can overcome it because of the love of Jesus Christ and the power of His blood. Don't we want other people to experience that? If we really believe in the first question, that it's grand to be a Christian, then certainly we should answer in the affirmative the second question that we want other people to know about that. 
Question number three. How in the world is anyone ever going to experience what we're talking about or know about it if we don't ever invite them? How are they ever going to understand what it means to be a Christian? How are they ever going to discover the plan of salvation that is told to us in God's Word? How are they ever going to experience the peace that passeth understanding and that confident expectation of heaven if we never, ever invite them? Are we just going to leave it up to chance? That perhaps somebody just will happen to come along at the right place at the right time and maybe they'll start talking and, and all of a sudden they'll discover what the truth is? I'm sure that's happened before, but the likelihood of it statistically is very, very slim that a Christian will run into another person who needs to hear the gospel and just happen to start talking about it. No, it takes some planning. It takes some purpose. It takes some confidence. It takes oftentimes stepping out of our comfort zone. But the only way that anybody is ever going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, the best way to get it started, the best way to get the discussion going is just simply invite them. Studies after study after study has shown that programs in and of themselves have some results, but the results are very poor when it comes to evangelistic programs. All through the years, churches have tried different things, whether it be door knocking, whether it be bus ministry, whether it be correspondence courses, whatever the case may be, some way to develop some type of evangelism program has ultimately failed and been thrown into the wastebasket of time. But there's one that has always consistently, without fail, statistic after statistic shows it, that more people are members of the Lord's church because just simply one person took the time out of love to invite them. Question number four. And once again, I don't expect any answers here. Question number four. When was the last time you invited someone? When was the last time, whether it be a co-worker, a neighbor, friend, relative, even a stranger, when was the last time you took the time out of love to invite someone to our worship services? Think about that for a few moments. The most powerful thing that you can do for this congregation this year, the thing that this congregation needs the most this year, the thing that will help this congregation the most, and the thing that will be the most beneficial of anything you'll do this particular year, is to just simply invite someone to our services. You have no clue what the result might be, but we won't know until we invite. I want to spend some time this morning talking about the power of an invitation. I think the reason why we don't always invite others is because we do not understand and appreciate the power of an invitation. First of all, what an invitation will do for others. But secondly, what an invitation will do for you. 
And what I want us to do this morning, we're going to look at three different passages in the Bible, three different scriptures, if you will, uh, that we find an invitation. And we're going to talk about the nuances of that particular invitation and what brought that invitation about. And maybe as we think about the invitation that is found there, we can apply it to our lives and we can see how powerful sometimes just a simple invitation can be and what it can do for others and what it can do for ourselves. Like I said, a very simple lesson, but a lesson that can be very powerful if we allow it to take place. The first invitation I want us to think about today is the invitation that just simply says, come see a man. Come see a man. And this particular invitation comes from the book of John, from John chapter 4, verses 25 through 29. And in this particular setting, we uh, see a woman who was a Samaritan woman, a woman who normally the Jews would not talk to, but Jesus sat down with her at a well and began to talk to this woman. He treated this woman with respect, even though she was a woman. He treated her with respect, even though she was a Samaritan. He treated her with respect, even though she was a very sinful woman, we discover, if we look at the entire context. And he told her everything that he knew about her that he only could know if he was divine. Here was a woman that made, an, here was a man that made impression upon her. She knew who he was now, that he was someone who could bring her salvation. And this filled her with joy is the idea here in the text. And notice what the text says. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with this woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou? Why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city, saith unto the men, Come and see a man which told me all things that I ever did, is this or is not this the Christ? Now I want you to think about that Samaritan woman for a moment, and I want you to realize that in this particular story, whether you realize it or not, you are that woman. You are the Samaritan woman. Because whether you realize it or not, the same thing happened to you. Don't know the circumstances of everybody's situation, but sometime in your life you came in contact with Jesus Christ. And when you came in contact with Jesus Christ and whoever that person was that brought you to have contact with Him, and as you began to study the Scriptures, you discovered that Jesus Christ knows everything about you. But even though He knows everything about you, He wants to save you. He wants you to go to heaven. He proved it by His death. He proves it with His love, by His blood. And as we think about the great salvation that we have experienced, that should bring great joy into our lives. We should be so very happy. And shouldn't we have the same reaction that this woman had? That we're wanting to go out and go to people and say, Come see a man. Let me tell you about this man from Galilee that is able to save your souls regardless of who you are and what you've done. We should be people that, as the Scriptures describe, that are willing to go out and and find others because of what we have experienced. We want to share that experience with other people. And that's what was going on here with the Samaritan woman. After her 
experience with Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ was doing for her, she needed to go out into the city and say, come see a man. The psalmist David, in Psalm 51, which is a psalm of repentance and sorrow, but yet right in the middle of that Psalm in Psalm 51, verses 12 through 13, the psalmist there makes this particular point. He says, when you experience the joy of salvation, you should be willing to go out and teach others and convert them. There's a song in our songbook called Bringing in the Sheaves. It's an old, old song, and we don't sing it that often anymore. And, and some people think that from this particular setting, um, that that song came from because later on in this chapter uh, when the disciples see all these people coming to meet Jesus because of the invitation of the woman, uh, Jesus makes the point that the fields are wide unto harvest. But actually that particular song comes from a verse in Psalms 126 and verse 6 where in that particular verse, and I'm paraphrasing there, but the psalmist talks about how he leaves weeping Bearing precious seed, but he will come back rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. In other words, the psalmist wants us to picture in our mind, we should weep when we think about all the lost people in this world. And how we need to go out weeping and bearing precious seed, which is the Word of God. And since it is the Word of God, it will bear fruit if we will plant the seed. It is God that gives the increase, not us, but we are the ones that plant the seed. So as we weepingly go out bearing this seed because of a lost and dying world, the psalmist promised that we will return rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves or bringing in the harvest. We need to go out into the world and tell the world that we need to come see a man. You need to come see a man. John chapter 1 and verse 41, when Andrew I met Jesus Christ for the very first time and realized who he was. He basically did the same thing with his brother, Peter. Now I'm paraphrasing once again, but he said, Peter, you need to come see this guy. You need to come meet this man. We have found the Messiah. And we need to do the same thing. We need to go out and tell people we have found the Messiah, the one that can save our souls. But there's another invitation that we can see in God's Word. And and this also is a very important one. And that is, come and see. Come and see. And these words weren't spoken by a woman. These words were spoken by Jesus Christ. In John chapter 1, 35 through 39, we have some of John's disciples meeting Jesus for the very first time. And they take an interest in him because of the fact that John the Baptist, as Jesus walked toward them, John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God. Now, we sometimes look at those words and we don't get the full impact of what John said there. We don't fully appreciate what those two disciples heard and the the effect that it had upon them. When John the Baptist looked at Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God, he was making a very, very important statement. He was equating... Jesus Christ with the Passover lamb. He was equating Jesus Christ with the power of God. He was equating Jesus Christ with the forgiveness of sins. He was equating Jesus Christ 
with security and protection. And so when these two disciples of John heard John describe Jesus as the Lamb of God, they knew that this was a man that was very important, a man that they needed to find more about. So the text goes on after these two disciples heard him speak, and they began following Jesus. I picture in my mind Jesus walking uh, down the path, and these two men were following behind him. And the text says that Jesus turned and saw them following and said unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? thou? And he saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. Now the thing that we need to understand here, that when Jesus said, Come and see, let me get back over here. When Jesus said, come and see, he was not um, telling them to come see his house. He was not telling them to come see where I live. They were not asking to come and see, oh, what kind of house do you live in? Do you live in an apartment? Do you live in a, in a, in a, in a, a single floor or is it a two-story house? Do you live? They weren't asking about that at all. What they were asking was, Jesus and we spend some time with you so you can teach us. We want to sit at your feet. We want to learn as much as we can about you. The reason why they refer to him as rabbi, uh, that's another way of saying teacher. King James makes, if they're an explanation, calls it master. But the idea there still is the idea of teacher. Rabbis were teachers in that day and age. And the practice was that you would go to their place of dwelling uh, where they had studies, if you will. And you would sit at the master's feet or sit at the rabbi's feet and you will learn great wisdom from him. In other words, they wanted to spend some time and study with Jesus Christ so they could learn as much as possible. And Jesus, when he understood that that's what they wanted to do, he said, come and see Come and see my place of teaching. Come and see what I have to say about you. Folks, there are people that we come in contact with each and every day of our lives, whether we realize it or not, whether it's been brought up or not, that need that invitation to come and see because they have a question about the Scriptures. They want to study more of God's Word, but no one's ever given them the opportunity to do so. There are people out there today just like the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. People who have looked at the Scriptures and they're trying to understand it, but as he told Philip the evangelist, how can I understand what is written here unless some man guide me? They need to be taught the truth of the Scriptures. They've heard so many different confusing things out there. They need to be taught what is right. They need to be reasoned with. Which reminds you of Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18 where we mentioned last Sunday where God said, Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they can be as white as wool. Though they be red like crimson, they can be as white as snow. We need to come and reason with people and teach them about God's Word. There are people who are interested in Bible study. There are people who are interested in learning more about the Scripture, but they live in a denominational world where it's all about psychology, where it's all about current events, and nobody takes the time to take a passage and pick it apart and find out what God's truth is. As we, quote-unquote, compete with the religious world today, 
We're not going to have the most exciting worship service because that would be profane. We're here to worship God, not worship ourselves and entertain ourselves. We're not going to have the most fabulous buildings because buildings aren't meant to be an, an edifice to ourselves and to the world around us. They're meant to be a place of worship. We may not have the most profound preachers that are on television or something like that that can bring in thousands and thousands of people. But we have something that's very precious, and that is we have the truth. Jesus reminds us in John chapter 8 and verse 32, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. We need to be people who are interested in going to them and say, Come and see. Come and see what you can learn by studying with Jesus Christ. In John chapter 12, there's an interesting story uh, about some people that would be the least likely people you think would be interested in Jesus Christ because they were Gentiles. The Bible describes them as being Greeks. And Jesus is at a festival, and, and they go up to, um, to Philip, who is there, and uh, they ask Philip, or Philip asks him, they say, what are you basically doing here? Why are you at this feast? Why are you approaching Jesus? And the response is a beautiful one. The Greeks respond to Philip. They say, Sir, we would see Jesus. There are people out there that would see Jesus if we would just simply open our eyes to them and say, Come and see. Sometimes people, the least likely people we would expect, as is in that case in John chapter 12. But we have to go out and invite them. But there's one final invitation I want us to look at this morning and the time uh, for our preaching will be over. After, Ethio after the Samaritan woman saying, come see a man, and Jesus saying, come and see, we come to the, perhaps one of the pre most precious invitations that we have in God's Word, and they too come from the words of Jesus Christ when He says, come to me, all ye, or all you that labor. Notice how the King James puts it in Matthew chapter 11, beginning at verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Take just a few minutes this moment and reflect over the past year. Reflect over the last five years, last ten years. If you're old enough, the last 25 years. If you're even older than that, the last 50 years. And think about all the times after you became a Christian. When you were carrying a burden that was so heavy. When you were dealing with the, the weight of this world and it was weighing you down so hard. Yet, because of Jesus Christ and your ability to pray to your Father in heaven and because of the comfort of your brothers and sisters in Christ, that that burden was eased, that that weight was lifted, even if it was lifted just a little. Think about all the many times we have cast our cares upon God and He has responded. Once again, don't we want other people out there to experience that same thing? When you look at people's lives and you see how messed up they are, when you see how sad they are, when you see how unsatisfied they are, 
When you see how you know that they're searching for something else and you've got the thing that they're searching for, why is it we don't want to tell them about that? Jesus says in this precious invitation, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. One of my favorite passages in the Bible and perhaps one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible and even perhaps one of the most known passages in the Bible is a passage that, because of its beauty and because of its simplicity, teaches us how wonderful it is to have Jesus Christ as our Savior. And sometimes people apply it to themselves when they have no right applying it to themselves because it's only for the Lord's people. The passage I'm talking about is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Those words are so beautiful and they mean so much to a Christian And you think about all the things that are in there because of God's goodness and because of God's mercy. I can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Don't we want to share that with other people? Don't we want to help ease their burdens? Don't we want to give them the greatest gift that a person can ever give another? And that's salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. Imagine what it'd be like one day to be walking the streets of heaven, however that may take place. And as you're walking, uh, you're passing different people, and um, some you may know from uh, the congregation here, and there's some you may not know, but you're passing different people. But you, you pass somebody, and they say, Oh, it's so good to see here, see you here. I'm so thankful that you're a part of this grand homecoming that arrived here in heaven and that particular person goes on to tell you they say you know the reason why I'm here today the reason why I'm enjoying this eternal reward is because there was a certain place at a certain time that you had the courage to take the time to just simply say hey What do you think about coming to worship services with me next Sunday? Uh, We always have uh, good worship service. There's always friendly people there. And we especially study God's Word. Why don't you come and join me? Well, a person may say no, but that's their decision. But that person may say yes. And the reward will do so much for them. But it also will do so much for you. Jesus' words are, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you're here this morning, and you're carrying the heavy burden of sin, 
Peter reminds us in 1 Peter chapter 3 and, verses 5 and verse 5 that we need, to cast, we need to humble ourselves before Him and cast all our cares upon Him. And He will lift us up, the heavy burden of sin or the heavy burden of this world, whatever your need may be. We want to talk to you more about it and see where we can help you as together we stand and sing the invitation song.